So one day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. I am here today with Nick Moss. He is the head coach, uh, cross country and track coach for UW Parkside, which is in my hometown of Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is why I wanted to bring him on today. Um, He has recently started coaching there and is bringing up an awesome program there. So I'm super excited to have him here and get to know a little bit more about his story as both a coach and a runner. So Nick, thank you for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. appreciate it. Yes, I'm excited. So we are, well, hopefully nearing the end of quarantine season. I don't know. I mean, things are maybe starting to get back (laughs) back to normal. Um, But to give you some context of when this interview is taking place, Um, but Nick, let's start out by, if you don't mind, um, let's start with your own running journey because I don't know a ton about that. Um, can you let the listeners know how you got into running when you started and what that looks like for you? Yeah. Um, gosh, where to start with that? So I, I, I've been asked this question before multiple times from my student athletes and stuff over discussions and, and other things, you know, Ultimately, for me, you know, I was involved in a lot of other sports, and I think this is sort of the cliche thing that you hear from from like distance coaches, like oh, I tried everything and you know, finally came into distance running or whatever. Uh, but for me, it was kind of like that. But um, the running part, um, you know, I had kind of a, a broken home, and and to kind of get away from some of the stresses and stuff, running was a good outlet for me when I was in like seventh, eighth grade. Um, and with a lot of the things that were going on, it, it allowed me to kind of be, you know, do something that I felt like I could put my whole soul and heart into, um, to release some of those stresses as well. So that's kind of where it started. Yeah. Um, and then it evolved. Like I was still involved in, in football and basketball and things like that throughout high school. And, um, you know, over time I started to get, have a little bit more talent, show a little bit more talent. And, um, in specifically in the middle distances, I was, uh, an okay 800 meter runner, miler, random four by fours, things like that. So good middle distance area. Um, and then, you know, it was decent enough that I ended up going to a division three school and um, I asked if I could be on the team. Um, I was like, I like the school. Can I be on the team? And the coach, said, absolutely. What were your times? And I told him, Oh yeah, it would be great. And so awesome. um, kind of did that. and then um, running wise, I've just always loved, um, running like in general so I'm, I'm, I've always done some variants of running and, and over time have actually escalated so we went from running middle distances in college um, and running cross country in college to going in um, doing you know a little bit longer 10k half marathon and I did several marathons and then I started doing mountain races when I lived in Colorado awesome <laughs> and then and then it's extended to that now I'm the now I consider myself kind of a 
lower level ultra runner. So I do 50 mile races and I just signed up for a hundred, a 100 K. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the end of September that kind of fits around our cross country schedule a little bit. Um, so yeah, and I, it's, it's evolved for me uh, running has, and maybe we can get into this a little further down the line yeah. running, but for me, like it started as this, this escape from my own reality a little bit, what I was right. doing. And it's evolved into more of a kind of a spiritual thing for me. Like, yeah. Um, no, I, I really just love getting out and thinking. I don't ever use headphones. Um, oh, wow. The only time is if I'm on a treadmill where I'm stationary and there's nothing, you know, but other, other than that, I, I, when I'm out on a run, even 50 mile runs when I'm training and I'm out there for seven, eight, nine hours, I don't, I don't use headphones. Cause I, I want to hear my own breathing. I want to reflect on things that are going on in my life. I want to. Right. No, I love that. Spend time thinking and being like in the moment a little bit more when I'm out on a run. And you know, so, yeah, that's kind of how my running has gone. And, yeah. So it started so that that's that's awesome. So it started as kind of like like you said it was almost like and I'm sure you didn't even realize this at the time but now you realize you're like it's kind yeah. of your escape and you're running away per se from problems at home and but it's yep. evolved to so much more. You went through you ran in college and now I mean you continue to run obviously you're coaching um and now it's like you said become you know the spiritual thing your time to think um that I mean that's really impressive that you can run without headphones I think for one um but but how yeah how else is it involved is it just like your time to think or is it like what what role does it play in your your everyday life I guess yeah so it's 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 still a health thing too I think it's important to kind of have a, a healthy active lifestyle and, and that's important to me the, when I'm running more and I do a lot better job of and, and think about okay hydrating well throughout the day and eating your better foods right things like that so th that's another piece of it um you know when I kind of talked about spiritual I'm a you know I'm a faith-driven person and so it's kind of my time with God as well is what I say that's my church time yeah um, oftentimes out and I like to run in nature too I'm, I'm big in the trails um, what better out. place to do it then <laughs> oh absolutely and and kind of connecting in that environment and um, those kinds of things but yeah like uh, I think it's really important to have I think anybody what I would love 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 about the sport is pretty much anybody can do it like it's it's not like it's you have to have a skill to be able to hit a jump shot or you have to have a good you know, a skill to, to hit a tennis ball or, or hit a golf shot I've right. never been strong at any of those things but I, I could always get out for a run Yo. Um, and, and kind of growing up poor as well is, is like, okay, all I got to do is have some shoes. It doesn't even matter what kind they are. Right. That is, I just got to get out the door and go run. Yep. Um, and I try to bring that passion to my student athletes too. Like I want to make sure that they're excited about it, like that they want to run, not yep. just doing it because they were good at it, were pushed into it. I think it's important to really enjoy what you're doing. When you're doing. Yeah. No, I love that. How do you, so you've always ran, I, I know I shouldn't stay stuck on here, but you've always ran without headphones or that's just a newer thing? Always. always. No, always. always. I've, I've, I can probably maybe one or two times ever um, during <laughs> college that I did, but I just, I just never did. Like, I think when you were, you know, when you're in high school and when you're in college, you don't because you've got your teammates around you and you're always having lots of great conversations. But then beyond that, like, I don't know. I think I just, I always, I think I thought a, a lot about like just being present in, in what I'm doing. And if I'm listening to music then I'm, it almost becomes more of an escape from actually what's actually going on in my body. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, how I'm feeling, uh, my breathing, you know, you, you kind of lose focus on your breathing a little bit sometimes. Um, and I know it's really good for other people. Like my wife, a lot of times has to have music and so it's music. And so I think it's not like I'm a dissing everybody for doing that. No, no. So for me, it's, it's, it's as a coach, it's a great way for me to kind of plan my day too. So I run in the morning. Yeah. Usually pretty early, five five thirty in the morning. I'm out, I'm out the door. This morning it was it was five thirty and I was already out running. And um, I start thinking about things that are going on on my team. You know, yep. You know, and, and probably more recently in the last couple of days, I've been thinking about other things. You know, a lot of the things that are going on in society and right. uh, how I can be a better person, how I can react to things. I think that's what running has really been to me is my get out. You know get out and kind of think about some of those things. Yeah. Uh, and so that if I have headphones in, then I'm distracted from that thought process, I think sometimes. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. It, it allows you just to, to think. And I don't do music. I do podcasts myself, usually podcasts yeah. or books or whatever. Um, so, I mean, so that seems to, to work for me, but I don't know. I, I, I could, I know I could do just nothing, but <laughs> might be a good challenge to do. <laughs> podcast when I'm like mowing the lawn or when we're on like long bus trips when I'm like yeah. I can like absorb what's going on in the podcast even more right yeah you don't fully pay attention when you're I feel like when you're running I guess either yeah um yeah. but I love that so it's like do you feel like you know you said it originally was like this escape but now it's not necessarily I mean it's kind of an escape but it's your time it to is, actually yeah. plan I mean to think and plan your day and get your day started right and yeah. And you know, I think about, and it's, it's everything in terms of a lot of it comes down to like my, my team, my kids on the team, like, am I, am I doing the right things in training or I want to try this? And so I'll run it through my head and, and think about the consequences of it, or is it the right thing? Or, you know, maybe there's oftentimes, um, and I think when you have a, when you have a team, there's always something going on with those team members. Like there might be maybe inner conflict with them as an individual that you want to help right. them or help them find the right resources and start to think through those processes like how can I how can I help them more yeah uh, and that's a great time to do that because you just got so many distractions going on in our world that it's nice yeah to kind of have that time help them yeah yeah and I know you I mean like you, you said you ran in you ran in high school then too right you're playing other sports but you ran in high school too yeah 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 um so I um I did not run cross country in high school okay um, I played football and I um very average at, at football, very average at basketball. I quit basketball after my sophomore year to, I was starting to see some of that talent in running. Yeah. I wanted to invest a little bit more in the winter time before the track season got going. Yeah. And I had a really great coach in high school that was just, just awesome. And like fostering that excitement around the sport and, and educating on the sport. And you know, ultimately I think he's kind of the one that got me so excited about it that I eventually you know, do it. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you went on to run in college and like, did you like, well, how was your college experience? Did you get like significantly better? Did you feel like you, you reached your potential in college? How did that all play out for you? Yeah, uh, to an extent. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that there's anybody that you can speak to that'd be like, yeah, my full potential when I was in college. I, I think no. always room if for me, especially like I'm, I'm always this kind of growth person. And I always feel like there's always a little bit more I could have done. Right. You know, being at a at a Division three school where I was, um, you know, some of the people on the team were, were motivated like I was to improve themselves and do a lot of the little things right, and and some weren't. 
Um, and I've coached at Division three as well. I coached three years at, actually at my alma mater. Um, okay. But, you, you know, you kind of saw the mixture. Um, and I had some teammates that were, you know, that on the same competitive level as me, and so they would push me and, um, and all that. But so I don't feel like I reached it fully when I was an undergrad. And I had a year of eligibility in, in graduate school, and I used that. Okay. At a Division One school, so there was a very, oh. <laughs> very different mindset. Very different. <laughs> Pretty successful Division One school, mid-major um, University of Northern Iowa, that I had an opportunity to train with some just like great athletes that were really focused. And that's um, awesome. I had a couple of Olympians that um, you know came out of that, and some world world champion medalists and guys that I would train with. I think it was a lot of fun and and really eye-opening to me to like see how to do it you know, on a professional side and like how to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so that year I like my performances went through the roof, but then by the time I got to the end, um, I was a little bit tapped out, like just okay. exhausted, but, um, collegiately, I, you know, I wish I had, um, I wish I had a better diet in college. Okay. Yeah. College. I would, that was my biggest downfall. I ate whatever the heck I wanted to eat care <laughs> what it was. Um, cause I was like, my mindset was like, oh, the, the fire is really hot. So it'll burn anything. And I'm just going to eat whatever I want. Yeah. I, if, if I had to change anything, it would probably be the thing that I would change. I, I lifted well. I stretched well. I did a lot. Yeah. Of like and I slept right hours, but I think just like not doing that. Would help. Yeah. No, that's a good question to ask. Cause I feel like, yeah, like for me, I think one thing was like, I wish I would have slept better. I'm like, what the heck? Like you have this one chance of being a college athlete and like you slept off, you know, like awful, like in anyways, it's like one thing you could have done for your performance and you didn't, but when you're young, you don't really care that much. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's a, that's like a lot of things that you start to reflect back and like, oh, I wish I had done this. You know, I don't regret any decisions nope. I made. <laughs> For me, it helps me to like explain some of those things to my student athletes. I try yeah. to story as much as I can to my kids to be like, "Hey, I've gone down this pathway. Like, go this other way, please. Like, trust me, this is the right way to go." Yeah. Well, they don't always listen, but you know, at least, like, <laughs> some perspective. Yeah, at least we we can hope, right? <laughs> what um any of like any big highlights from your college, I guess, career running that you know your top top few moments or anything or not necessarily. Yeah, um, a couple, like, you know, when I was a, I think it was a, it was a junior, we hosted the indoor conference championships, and uh, I, I guess I was, I was proud of myself, and I ended up getting fourth in the 800 meters um, during that, that meet, I would, but I went for awesome. it from, the, from the gun, I went for the win, <laughs> um, and I, I was out front the entire race until the last 100 meters, and then I just, my leg, my guy ran out of gas, but I was, I was, I was disappointed at that moment, but I think now I'm, I'm kind of proud of it because I put myself out there. I gave myself a chance. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely one moment. Um, I think the other one that, that sticks out is in my fifth year. Um, I had the fortunate opportunity of leading off the uh, four by eight at the Drake relays okay. for, in the division one category. So yep. um, that was an experience just, um, you know, I have scars to prove. I had some, you know, a guy from Baylor kicked me in the shin after he fell down. And <laughs> so, you know, some of those experiences were pretty, it, it was great to be there because I'm an Iowa boy. I'm from Iowa and okay. so relays are like this big mythical thing. You know, we have a state meet there. I got to participate in it in college um, yeah. levels. And um, so like those, those two moments as a collegiate athlete, I think are the ones that I remember the most, but, but then beyond that, it's, a, it's, I have a lot of memories of practices that I had. Right. 
the process the <laughs> the process like the, the camaraderie with teammates um you know you remember some of the, the like brutal workouts where you just kind of went to the wall and you're collapsed on the track kind of thing i remember those yeah um you know so yeah there's there's and there's a lot of other memories but those are the two that kind of stuck out that's st that stuck out yeah mm -hmm. And then you, you continue to run, you said, after college for a bit, right? You were still jumping in track races? Yeah, uh, I did. Uh, when, I, when I finished my master's degree and I was, I was starting to coach, I was doing, I, I occasionally would jump into a track race as a young coach. Like I, okay. might, I might help rabbit. I rabbit, rabbited one of our half milers one time. Yeah. And I helped, you know, I, I jumped into like a 1500 once, um, uh, you know, but after maybe two or three years of that, I started doing more like the longer, you know, half okay. on, on and, and moving into the trails and stuff because of the timing. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt like I was taken away from what my student, you know, trying to help them more and yeah. I needed to rein it back in and, and, you know, time my runs and time my races around what wasn't going on with the team. Yeah. That that gets tricky <laughs> yeah no for sure and then your specialty so like 1500 800 you're like more mid-distance right yeah yeah and i love i love that area it's always going to be near and dear to my heart like um, it's a it's probably the you know arguably in, in terms of physical demands it's the most challenging um the 800 kind of especially is it's the mix of you know aerobic anaerobic you know you got to yeah. I, I affectionately call it the the pain train. It's kind of like that's the pain train crew. Yeah. Because you have to know how to like battle through lactic acid and what that feels like and the mechanics that come with that. And right. Feeling that comes from that and managing it. And it's, it's uh, I loved that feeling as an athlete and most people don't. Like most yeah, people, yeah. I want to avoid that. Your way. That hurts. <laughs> uh, but I, for, for whatever reason, I ended up finding success in that. Um, in that avenue and track and field yeah oh, that's awesome I don't think I ever I don't think I raced it enough I don't know that I ever mastered the 800 at all like I don't know <laughs> if I ever got the hang of how to run an 800 smart but <laughs> it's it's tough it's tough like the mile's tough too but you have the 800 you don't have as much time to like figure things out like, yeah it, yeah <laughs> you know you, you got two a little over two minutes to kind of figure things out and you almost it's almost the read and react and sort of if you make the wrong mistake, then you're out. You're out the back, and you're in trouble. Right, right. What? Uh, since we're talking about them, I guess. I mean, they're totally different. But what? And this can come from your coaching, obviously, background. And we'll get into that in just a second. Um, but what? What is your philosophy on? We'll do both. Like how to run, you know, a smart mile and slash fifteen hundred, and how to run a, you know, eight hundred. How do you attack them? Oh, or how do you tell your kids a, to attack them? How did you attack them? That's a hard thing to unpack. <laughs> So like, 30 minute conversation because it depends <laughs> <laughs> i um it kind of does depend but i think there's underlying features that you have to have like you have to have some level of aggressiveness definitely in both races but the 800 mm -hmm. you, you have to be able to you know look at the kind of look at the some of the world records like you know in the, in the women's race they're getting out in 56 seconds yeah and at the elite level, they're getting out 56, 57 seconds, and then they got to double back. Yeah. Like, you got to have some speed. You got to have the willingness to get out that aggressive. I think that's probably the biggest key in the 800, to be honest, is you have to be aggressive. You have to be able to get out aggressive. 
Yeah. Um, the, the mile, you have a little bit more time, and I think you can do it progressively, but, you know, everybody kind of knows the, the, the 800 to 1200 mark in the, in the mile or the, or the 1500 is yep. like the, the most crucial turning point. That's when yeah. pain starts to set in a little bit. That lactic acid starts to kind of build. Yeah. This builds and you've got to kind of make a choice. Um, yep. And the, watch any race, elite level, otherwise high school, middle school, watch any mile race. You'll see that's when things start to change and the race starts to string out. Or, yeah. And so I, I, I'm always emphasizing the 800 to 1200 portion for our milers. Like mm -hmm. the, uh, not necessarily that you have to like throw in a surge or do anything crazy, but you have to yeah. be cognizant of what's going on. You have to be awake. Right. I'll yell that a lot. I'll say, be awake, be ready, be awake, be ready. Um, just be alert for that move to happen um, and be prepared for it. I think that that's kind of the, now every, every, every race has something different. Right? Yep. Is going to come from it that you'll learn from. Um, some races will go out ridiculously slow. And I've seen, I've seen women's races at a championship go out in, um, at a division two championship. I was at coaching one year. Went out in 90 seconds. Oh my gosh. Mile, and these what? are the best athletes in the final that we, we have out there. And we go out in 90 seconds. And you got to be ready for that. Like, no, oh. I can. Okay, I just know what to see. And um, so, like, I, I think every race kind of lends itself to something different. And yeah. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of giving them different racing tactics throughout their career. Like, I want them to learn how to get ready and it was the same thing for me like i i was traditionally a front runner but occasionally i would try to jump in and, and do something a little different so that i knew how to be prepared for it right so ultimately when you get to championships this is just kind of the, the backbone of our sport is the championship event right you've experienced some different things and you know how to kind of handle it a little bit yeah yeah no for sure so that third lap is i mean that's the key oh, i mean key. it's just <laughs> make or break yes. yeah you're either going to stay in the race or drop. <laughs> absolutely. And I would say that that's the case for like any, any race. Mm -hmm. Like you could even break it down to like the, the hundred meters, you know, like after you get past that drive phase in the hundred meters, you've got to stay awake and cognizant of what you're doing to get yep. yourself into the transition to, to, fin to the finish line. And yeah. then all the 10 K like, I mean, think about the 10 K and how, how many kids will lose the race right after the halfway point. Right. They, they weren't engaged in what was going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, I always say they fell asleep. And so yeah. I'm trying to keep them awake and cognizant. Any cues you'll give your athletes, um, cues or whatever it is to to stay awake or, you know, are, and I'm sure every athlete's different depending on their, their what do you want to say, their um, mental level. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, the, yeah, how yeah. they get hyped up and everything. But what kind of cues do you do you give your athletes, if any, for that third? That that yeah. That um, what am I trying that, to say? That three. That third mark. quarter. <laughs> that third yeah, quarter yeah, of yeah, any yeah. race. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, and I, I'm I'm hoping to improve on some of my cues and things like that too. But you know, a lot of it's just simply sort of be ready. I say be ready a lot. Yep. Just to kind of wake them up and and or. I try not to say wake up too much just because that makes them, I don't want them to kind of think negatively with that. Right. It's like, okay, be ready. It's going to happen. Be ready. Be ready. Yeah. 
and or I'll, I'll pick out somebody and I'll be like, okay, you make sure you're paying attention up front. Look at those first three people and, and look where you need to be and be cognizant of what's going on there. And then the other thing in some of the longer races, it'll be like, hey, I know it hurts. Just give me just give one lap at a time. One lap can make a difference. So because yep. I've seen a lot of kids that will, you know, they'll, they'll fall asleep and they'll fall into a certain rhythm and a certain pattern. And it just takes one lap. It, it could even take just a hundred meters where they just kind of change that that rhythm a little bit and they yeah. get on they get back on a, a quicker pattern, they get back in where they should be within the race. Yep. Um so we'll 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 say that like okay, just one lap at a time. Focus on one lap, get that right. take to the next one. Um and I yeah. think that can help to break it down and, and make them not like stress out so much, like, hey, I've still got five K to go and I, this hurts. Like yep. I don't know what else to do and Yo. So, focus on the lap or the section whatever race it is that you're in that you're in yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> no i like it and yeah and that like kind of transitions into so i definitely want to get into a little bit more about you know your experience as a coach and and all that so so you lived in colorado before you came to kenosha is that where is that um so you coached there you said for three years uh no so um I coached there for six and a half years. Oh, okay. And I, before Kenosha, or before Parkside, I was at um, Western Illinois University. So oh. I'm actually rolling into my 17th year coaching. So I've kind of been um, around a little bit. In some yep. Yeah. Yep. And the coaching world. So you've been, so we got, I mean, if you want, like just walk me through your, your coach. Like how do you, I guess yeah. let's just go to like, how do you get into coaching? Like when were you like, oh, I'm going to be a coach. I guess I didn't even ask that. <laughs> No, that's good. Um, I, um, when I, I had started, like I'd started thinking about it when I was a junior in college, that that's something that I might want to do. Um, I actually was getting a degree in elementary education or working towards a degree in that. Cause I liked working with kids and, and instruction and teaching. Yep. The more and more I got into it, like I, I really wanted to be a coach. So I actually went into my college coach's office. I was like, what do I need to do? I want to be a yeah. coach. I want to be a college coach. Tell me what to do. That's awesome. <laughs> he said, you got to go get a master's degree. And so then I went and kind of went into that world and um, I was able to kind of work as a graduate assistant. Um, and then after that, um, you know, <laughs> when you're getting a, a degree and you're starting to think about a job in college coaching, you got to take whatever comes at you, you got yep. everything you can apply for and take what you can get um, and, and understand that you're not going to get paid very much as a college coach right off the bat. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> and so I had I applied to all, like a hundred jobs. I, I still have the spreadsheet. <laughs> like I I put a spreadsheet together. Like who responded to me? Who didn't? Who told me no? You know, like that's awesome. Um, so I got I ended up getting two offers. One was um, in Memphis, Tennessee, um, and then one the one that I ultimately took was at um, an NAIA school, Mount Marty College in okay. uh, Yankton, South Dakota. So. Little school, like 500 students. Um, I was the, I was going to be the head coach, which was unique because I was just a GA and I was going to be a head coach. So it was like, I called my mentor, um, Chris Bucknam, who's the head men's coach at Arkansas, was my mentor. Okay. Um, and I was like, can I handle this? Like, do you think I should take this job? And he's like, oh, you'll be fine. Just yeah. go for it. You need to take it. And I was like, okay. So I, I did it. And uh, it was interesting. It, it, it forced me into a position to like learn all the events because I didn't have the budget to have a lot of assistant coaches. So I started, I yeah. learned about throws. I learned about the jumps and the sprints and I had never coached those areas before that point. And, but then it got me to be even more like 
excited about the sport because I was learning how to train different athletes for different events. And, right. And then since then, everywhere that I've been, I've, I've coached a little bit of everything or, or at least okay. a lot of, a little bit of everything. And so, and I really enjoy it and I always want to learn more about all the events as much as I can. Yeah. So it hasn't just been the distance. Like, I mean, obviously distance yeah. is your specialty, but you get kind of thrown into that at times. Yeah, you do. Like, you kind of get pigeonholed. And I, and I think he, you know, my mentor would also talk about like, don't pigeonhole yourself. Make sure you're learning a lot. Like you're, you're, learning, yeah. you're trying to talk to other coaches. And so I'm still, I still do that. Um, before this, uh, this interview, I was actually on a, uh, coach's call on Facebook for like two hours where we were okay. just different issues in sport and stuff. And, um, I try to do that a couple days a week. Um, but anyway, like beyond that, then my, my alma mater, my, my coach in college decided he was getting out of coaching and he called me and said, Hey, you should apply for the job. And I did that. Um, was there for three years and we had some decent uh, success. Yeah. And then I, um, I had always wanted to live in Colorado, like just the culture with running and yep. like, all that. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I packed up and we left and I ended up getting a job. I, I actually didn't have a coaching job. I was just like, I, <sighs> on this space that I'm in, I'm kind of held back. I'm not going any further and I need to like do something good for my life and to kind of get away. And, and yeah. And I were like, okay, let's go. So we went to Colorado and I, w I worked at a running store for the first year that we were out there. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, and I still talk to those people pretty regularly. So then I was just like reaching out to every coach out there. And I was like, I want to get, I need to get back into coaching. Like, what do, you know, do you have anything open? And yep. there was a sprints and sprints, jumps and hurdles job um, at Metropolitan State University in Denver, Colorado. Okay. And so I took it. I was like, I'm going to do it. Yes. I'll take That's it. awesome. You're like, I've been learning along the way. Cause you just said yep. you're learning yep. everything. So I can do this. <laughs> yep. So I, I did it and dove right in and, and I, he allowed me to kind of help out a little bit with some of the distance stuff too, but um, spent a lot of time kind of honing those skills. And then after two years, he decided to get out of coaching and I took over as the head coach and stayed there for, for four years, four and a half years as the head coach. Cool. Um, and then our daughter was born. Okay. Um, did, uh, my five-year-old that's in the other room. Yep. Uh, so she, uh, she was born and then it was like, okay, we got to get back close to the family. Um, yeah. And, and so we, I looked for some jobs that were in the area to get back and I ended up at Western Illinois university. So back to kind of division one. Okay. Yep. Um, spent two and a half years there. Um, and then kind of the same sort of thing. Like I was, I was, I want to say stuck. I like, I appreciate the, having the opportunity to be, like, um, a coach there and the sure. coach that brought me in allowed me to coach a lot of different event areas. So I worked with pole vaulters and I, I worked with, I was the head cross country coach. So I did that, yep. um, but got some experience again in some other areas that I wasn't um, quite astute to. And then, but it was just, again, a time where I just needed to kind of um, be a head coach again. I really loved being a head coach and yeah. Park job, Parkside job opened up and, you know, I'd coached in division two for a number of years and I knew of them. Mm-hmm. And I knew of Kenosha and the cross country course and, um, and all the exciting things going on with that. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll apply and, and see if it's a shot. And so then I got an interview. And when I came on campus for an interview, um, what's going on here is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Our, our athletic director is like, I don't have great adjectives because he's just, he's so awesome. Like, does a job with like his positivity, his mentorship, um, you know, his vision for the, the program not just my program but athletics as a whole yep. and there's 
great culture there. And I could feel that. I could feel that culture and the, the vision. And so when I came back to the hotel, I was like, oh, I hope they offer me the job. Like this, this place seems like it's on the right tra trajectory. Like I hope that happens. Yep. And I was fortunate and they, they offered me the job and I jumped on it and uh, we moved up to Kenosha last, almost a year ago. So last July. That's awesome. <laughs> I have loved, I would say 99.9% .9 of the moments, the only point one would be the not being able to have a track season. Right. Not having an outdoor track season. What the heck? No. Terrible. But I, I love Parkside. Like they're just awesome. The people, all the coaches talk and, and are constructive with each other and Kenosha it's a really pretty area like I the lake and the trails that we have and it's yep. just we really like the people and it's a good, good spot for us so I'm excited to kind of grow the program and keep the, yeah keep. no definitely it seems like a good spot for me like even from your background like I mean you wouldn't think of it necessarily but even me I didn't appreciate it when I was younger enough for sure either but I mean you're in the middle of a lot of things going on like you said there's the lake you got the, the trails is like a huge thing and then you know, you have a, you know, and, and I don't know as much about, you know, Parkside athletics in general, but I do know they have a rich history in running, you know, they have a, a deep, at least from what I know from, you know, since I was in high school of, you know, pretty successful running, um, you know, um, team. So, I mean, that's, I mean, you get that and come in and kind of rebuild that. Um, and no, I'm excited for you. And it yeah, seems like a good fit. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I'm that was the other piece is like you were talking about is like the rich history behind it too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, two of the former head coaches that were here for a long time, Mike DeWitt and Lucian Rosa, are still around. Yeah, live in the area and they're awesome. Like, they're great to like, like I talk to those guys pretty regularly and, um, you know, about the history of the program and about different places to train. And it, and then having Pete Hankus as our cross country course administrator and like manages all the meets and stuff like having those people um, stick around and want to stay around at Parkside and right. about it, like just shows you what, you know, what it's all about. So. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. I uh, like, of course, like when I was looking at, you know, where to go for college and stuff, like I, you know, could have obviously gone to Parkside and that was when DeWitt was a coach and we talked and stuff, but I was like, I, I just need something different. I got to get out of my hometown. I don't want to yeah. you know stay here, but, um, <laughs> but obviously it's, yeah, I'm a good program. So no, exciting for you. I like that. It seems like at least from your story that you seem to kind of, you go where, you know, you're not scared to go where you need to go and like get unstuck if you need to like that move out to Colorado. Hey, I don't have a job, but we need to go to Colorado. We're just going to, you know, I'm just going to go there and work at a running shoe store and figure it out. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and you know, uh, I've always kind of been able to do that personally, but, um, you know, having a, a spouse that's understanding with any yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, we're understanding of each other, but you know, like she's always been there for me and just been like, you know, what well, if it, if it's the right thing to do, let's do it and let's find a way. I think that's kind yeah. of always our, our mantra. And that's a mantra that I got from my mom many, many years ago. She's an amazing woman and kind of the, you know, the person that really I emulate my life off of in terms of like, find a way, like yeah. some bad situation. You just got to find a way. Right. Right. No, that's awesome that's to have I would think that for any coach, you have to have that supportive spouse to be willing to go with you, especially yeah, in, in the coaching world. I mean, how common, I mean, it can happen, but how common is it that you really stay put for your whole coaching career? Yeah. You know? yeah. Play? yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, um, I think especially if you want to like grow as a coach, you have to move around a little bit early on in your right. coaching. Because 
you got to get yourself put in different situations so you can see different perspectives. Um, and, and, you know, I've been at places where we had no real support, no, no facilities, no, no budget, you know, no coaching staff, you know, and, and it was a struggle. And I've been at places that has been the opposite and, and everything in between. And I think that just gives you a little bit more of a perspective on like what everybody's dealing with. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm big into like the, the voting process at our, you know, our, our association within our association in collegiate athletics. And then, um, you know, I think having been at several different, I've, I've coached in, in AI, <laughs> division three, division two, division one. And so I like, I feel like that gives me a little bit of perspective too and helps me to come up with better you know, concepts when, when issues are coming up in the sport. And Yeah. Yeah, so. that that yeah that experience that variety of experience for sure um well, let's talk about you as a coach and what like I'd love to know like I mean what like I guess let's just ask like what what has contributed to your coaching uh, like becoming a better coach the most like where is it um something you've learned is it courses you attend is it just being a coach like what has made you a better coach like what yeah what, make, oh, what makes you, how do you grow as a coach? Tough questions. You're asking <laughs> Sorry. tough questions, Kristen. That's great. <laughs> no, like, uh, I would say every, like, there's, there's just so many things. I think you have to have a, as a coach, like, you have to have the mindset of, um, I'll pack something, some of that too. Like, my mentality has always been, and this is kind of dorky, but so my, one of my high school coaches would call me the Terminator because my mindset is like, just got to keep pushing. And if I have a goal, I got to find a way to reach that goal. And I'm just going to keep pushing until I get to it. Yep. It can be good and bad, but um, <laughs> anyway, so like I'll, I'll keep kind of striving for that. But the same thing as a coach, like I have to constantly be learning in different avenues. So, you know, I read a lot. It's, it's kind of my life. Like I, it's, and that's fine. Like it's just the way that I live. I, I love the sport so much. I, I'm studying history a lot. Um, I try to look at my own, be self-reflective and say, okay, what am I weak in? Um, you know, some of the areas I'm trying to really work on as a coach right now are like learning more mental strategies for my athletes. Okay. Yeah. That I'd be this expert, but you know, helping them with different cues. And you know, I bought a book recently on like how to cue appropriately and you know, the concepts behind that. And like, um, so it's a lot of, I watch videos, I watch podcasts, I look at different training methodologies. I talk to other coaches. Yep pretty regularly and especially now it's been it's been definitely a learning time frame because you can't do anything else like I can I can recruit and then I can learn yeah so, um you know I have to be just like a lot of coaches we're just trying to find ways to how do we learn more how do we talk to each other more how do we figure out and unpack ways to be better coaches yeah I don't think I'm ever going to have it all figured out actually I know I'm not. right right <laughs> And so even when I'm, you know, in my sixties and I'm still coaching, I want to be still looking for new ways to do things and, and you know, help my student athletes, which, which is ultimately what it's about. Everything that I read, everything that I do is about like, how can I get them to love the sport, to get better at the sport, to appreciate it, to grow as human beings. Like all that stuff is, is kind of how, you know, some of it's just learning through experiences too. It's not just like reading and stuff. It's, it's yeah doing something wrong sometimes <laughs> learning tool yeah yeah like we say to our athletes a lot like uh there's no such thing as losing there's winning and learning yeah um and so i think that that's 
kind of applies to everybody in life. Like you're going to make mistakes and that's sometimes the best way to learn. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's always like this illusion, or at least maybe this is my old way of thinking like, Oh, like, I don't know, like everyone has it all figured out or the coaches have it all figured out. It's like, no one has anything figured out. We're just all learning. And like, I think if you are out there thinking, I mean, you got to think you're the best coach, but if you're out there thinking like, Oh, I got it all figured out. I don't need to learn anymore. Then that's when, that's when you're yeah, not growing. Yeah, take a deep look at yourself because, yeah, there's always something to learn. There's always – you can't ever have everything mastered, even if you try to drop it down to just coaching. Like, yeah. Things to unpack. I think the other piece to it is, like, especially as a collegiate coach, like, it's not just the X's and O's. Like, you know, I'm not – I've never necessarily been in a place where I've been fortunate enough to be, like, not – I we have to do travel. We have to know how to budget. We have to know how to – help with conflict resolution we have yeah. to like know the academic structure of the campus we have to be able to communicate with alumni you know like, right we have to be able to recruit and recruit effectively and, and create a culture and all of those things are challenging and then so they're just like learning how to do that is you know, comes through experience a lot of times too yeah it's not like the actual coaching is like such a little part of i guess it is job, <laughs> it's a it's so small like i Sometimes you wish that, like, okay, can I just, like, focus on the day's practice and, like, that's all I have to Yeah. Do. That's not the world we live in. There's a lot of other things that need to get done. So. Right, right. <laughs> what, uh, um, what was I going to say? What do you feel like, you know, for, uh, I don't know, like, the greatest athletes, I guess, you've coached, um, the ones that have really reached their potential, even doesn't have to be the greatest, like, the fastest or anything like that. What, um what do you feel like has been, I guess, yeah, we'll go with what's the difference between them or someone that doesn't reach their full potential or get close to their full potential. What, what aspects of, I guess, training in general, have they mastered? What makes them different? Yeah, I, th I think um, the the best ones kind of have a, and, and you'll hear a lot of people kind of talk about it, it's that it factor, you know, that, that they, they innately, regardless of what their talent is, they have the, the drive to, mm -hmm. to make themselves better. And they're, the other part of that, too, is it's, it's not an obsessive drive. It's a, yeah. it's a drive where they have some perspective and in, in where they are, where they need to get to, and, and they're patient with that process. And, you know, I think all the – it's, the, again, another cliche thing is doing all the little things right is important. Um, yep. But also not obsessing about it. Right, right. A lot of I've seen a lot of kids that will obsess to you know almost becomes an addiction to them. Mm -hmm. to, you know they got to do everything right, and if they don't, then they beat themselves up. And I think sometimes just knowing moderation and knowing knowing the right kinds of ways to, to handle things and you know, yeah, important. So I, I think it's it's a lot of times it's just kids that kind of come in and already have that like yeah that they were raised or it's just the way they are as a person in general right. Um, they all have to have a little bit of kind of fight in them. Right. Fight and focus is mm -hmm. try to talk about too sometimes is like you have to be able to be driven um, to, to meet those demands and meet those goals, um, but have focus on the, the, the picture of what that looks like um, and realize you're going to have some struggles and that's okay. And that's the, the path towards growth. Um, yeah. I think about the different athletes that I've had. So like when you ask that question, like I have like you know, a number of them that popped into my head. And, right. Right. Uh, you know, think about the qualities that they have and, um, 
and all that too. So, and I think it's, it's also those that are a little bit of a little bit selfless as well. It's not just like that they're so honed in on themselves that they forget about other people. I think usually it's ones that I've ever, I've ever had that have seen a lot of success usually are are also good teammates. Yeah. They tend to um, gravitate towards being a good teammate. And sometimes you'll have ones that are really, really driven, but they're not a great teammate. And so like, that's another part of it too, is, is that they're, they kind of understand that in their, in their teammates and trying to help them, not just help themselves. I mean, I think one of the best examples of that recently that we saw, right, is the, the Michael, the last dance with Michael Jordan and the Bulls and like. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. I need to. Oh, man. Just loved. It was, it was great. It was great. Like, uh, and, and I grew up in the, or so I was a teenager in the, in the 90s. And so like for me, you know, I, I, basketball when I was young was like the biggest thing to me. Like I love the basketball in every capacity. And so like, yeah. um, seeing like the leadership there and, and challenging your teammates will help challenge yourself and they'll challenge you back. And I think some of those things are, are really, really critical in like being successful. Um, never being satisfied, I think is part of that kind of that drive and that hunger. Like, yeah. The great champions are never like, <laughs> They're never done. It's kind of like what we were just talking about, like learning as a coach. Yep. Like I'm never, never done learning. Um, and the same thing applies to like the greatest athletes is like they, you could break a world record and talk to a record holder. When they broke the world record, they're going, well, that's awesome. I'm excited, but now I want to break the world record again, or I want to win a gold medal or you know, like, they're always trying to find a way like to, to get to that next step. Yep. Yep. No. They, yeah. they're never they're satisfied. Not satisfied. Yeah. yeah, never satisfied. Always, there's always something to be going after. No, I yeah. like it. Um, and going back to, I kind of switched gears. I know, but going back to like as a coach, um, you were talking about. I know I'm going off topic a little bit, but is the is the college I do that all the time? It's okay. <laughs> we're the okay. same. We can just like my brain. Yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> um, you were talking about how like you communicate with like other coaches and stuff. You know, for learn learning more about coaching and stuff is the college I don't even know is a college culture of coaches like is it pretty open like are you guys always like sharing stuff like you know workout stuff like that or is it kind of like well I don't want to fully tell you what I'm doing like how is that I've just been curious <laughs> yeah sometimes uh I think I think lately again with just the the um, COVID stuff going on and, yep. and all that, like I think they've been a lot more open uh, just because again there's nothing else to do so people are like oh okay here's my ideas yeah so I think um, there's, I think you, you have some coaches that are willing to just kind of talk about anything. And then you have some that are like a little bit guarded with, what right. um, for the most part, it's pretty good though. Like I, I would say most coaches are like, yeah, I can tell you what I do. You know, like, and my mindset with that, like as a coach is I'll tell every coach, everything that I do. Like I, yeah, it's not about the, <laughs> not about what you're doing. It, it's yep. how you're doing it. And the the type of athletes you're getting will, will change how you do it and yep. um and I think that's that's a really important piece to know is to but but again kind of back to like coaches and being open like I know certain coaches there's certain coaches that I trust and that I know do great things and um I want to kind of get their feedback and um try and learn learn a little bit from them yeah I've called a few recently I've got a call I need to call um you know, somebody that I really admire, and, he, and he's a friend of mine, um, is Jerry Baltus at, at Grand Valley State. Oh, yep. Does some really, obviously, he's had a ton of success, ton of national championships and conference championships and stuff like that. And yep. But 
it's also around his culture and just having a, a good team culture and having a good vision for what he's doing. And um, so I've had several conversations with him and I'm, I kind of had talked to him right after this all happened about like, Hey, let's have a call. Cause I, I have some questions. I want to dig into like where you started kind of similar yep. to what we're doing. I kind of yeah. want to into it with him. Because Do that to I, him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, but you know, and, and so, and it's not just the college coaches that talk and like there's times when I've, I've talked to high school coaches about what they're doing and yeah, and, and try to find out kind of the route that they're going down or, or, um, you know, other club coaches and things like that. When I was in Colorado, I got the opportunity to talk to other coaches that were professional level or, or, um, like general organized, you know, like, um, general public coaches and things like that, just to get different feedback on them, like how they do things. Yeah. Um, I find really interesting, like, uh, you know, how they're, how are they coaching someone online? How are they sending and writing those workouts? How are they communicating that? Yeah. Done a little bit of that as a coach. Like I do a little bit of like helping folks out from time to time. Yeah. But yeah, that's, it's a, it's a fun world when you dive into it because sometimes you'll get validation. You're like, Oh, okay, I'm doing it right. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, I never thought of that. That's a really cool idea. I might try that. Yeah. Coaches are, I will say this, coaches are thieves. <laughs> we are all thieves. I am 100%. Everything that I do, I'd say to an extent, is picked from different coaches. Right, right. <laughs> like you, you pick different ideas and, and you might adjust it a little bit and, and make it yours. But, you know, there's a lot of things that I do that, are taken from not just track coaches or cross country coaches, but like I take culture ideas from basketball coaches and football yeah. coaches. Try to build that together. And so, um, yeah, you know, I was on a, I was on a call last week talking to some other coaches and they were talking about, there's a, like a world famous sprint coach that he refuses to tell any of his stuff. Like he doesn't allow anybody at his practices. He doesn't want, to, and you're like, well, okay. Like let's share some of this wealth a little bit, but then right. I think, mindset of some of those coaches is like well, I'm gonna miss out on my profitability a little bit if I, I should yeah. try to, to tell you this really, I know it's kind of interesting in terms of the professional side and how that all rolls but no, yeah. it's, long story short they most coaches are pretty good about it yeah no that's that's good to know like I feel like well I'm just thinking like I asked like almost you know for myself too like coming into more coaching and, and whatnot it's always like this sense of not like there's always more to learn right which there is but there's also a sense of where I feel like people can be like oh I don't know enough to start or I don't like there's so much to learn that I can't even start but it's like you know if you know more than the person that you're helping you can help them and then I I just feel like what I've learned I mean this is anything like this isn't just like coaching or running or whatever but it's just like you learn more by doing and um than just sitting there thinking about it and (laughs) And then same thing for like, say coaching and like, even the plans I write, it's like, it's um, like, it's picked up from any, any coaches that I've learned from, right. You learn a little bit from every person and um, like nothing, nothing in life really in general is your own. Like you learn it from someone else. Like, so. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> but no, that's, that's good to hear that for the most part. I'm sure it's just like anything in life, like most part, like people are open to share, but some people are going to be a little, maybe more closed. Um, yeah. but how much do you think it comes down to training? Like how a successful person is like the workouts themselves versus, you know, everything else, mindset, nutrition, and like whatever, you know, yeah. culture. I think the work, I think the workouts and the way that you structure them and kind of what your ultimate goal is with those workouts is important. Um, I have 
when I was early in my coaching career and I was developing training plans, um, a lot of it was just based off of, okay, how was I coached um, mm -hmm. with just a tiny bit of my own flair. And it's evolved a lot since early years of, of coaching. It's so much so that like, I would say the last three or four years, it's been a lot more about communication with my athletes about what works for them and what doesn't work for them and how they yeah. feel kind of daily constant communication about a certain workout or, or mileage that they're doing. Um, and, and I try to have a lot of individual meetings and conversations and daily, daily I'm asking them, um, you know, about different concepts and how they're feeling because ultimately if, if they're kind of getting what they need, um, that I can't always just see that they need X, Y, and Z. Sometimes they need to tell me. Yeah. Um, that's been the, where I've seen the, kind of the biggest success in my career, I'd say, is the more conversations and, and communication I have with my athletes, the more I can kind of tailor a few things mm -hmm. doing. And, and I, have, I have obviously a pretty set structure in the way I like to do workouts and the certain kinds of mileage and the certain kind of workouts that are pretty key to my program. But yep. sometimes it's, it's knowing the athlete and what they absolutely need to, to hit like a certain workout or, or a um, certain amount of reps or a certain pace that they yeah. need to do to make themselves feel confident yeah. to work out. Yeah. That was gonna be my question. Is it more of like a mental thing? Like, is it like the athlete believing like I need to do this amount of mileage or this type of workout to be faster? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Like sometimes? Or? Yeah. Yeah. And, and mileage is especially with distance runners and cross country kids. Like, yeah. I think that the hardest thing to get them to sort of buy into and understand sometimes is, and maybe this is just my own philosophy, you don't have to run 100 miles a week to be successful. Right, right. Um, there are a lot of other things that you can do, you know, and fix your imbalances and, and work on strength in the weight room and, and core and nutrition. And all, there's all these other things that you can do and certain workouts that you can do that are going to get you to where you need to be without running her out a week. And so right. I think that's one of the hardest things is like getting them to kind of man mentally wrap their head around it. And so then I also will educate my student athletes pretty regularly. Like, okay, here's your goal. You're a miler. You don't necessarily need to run hundred miles a week. Right. Um, now 10 K runners, they need to run a lot. They just have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's not, I think getting them away from understanding there's no perfect workout. There's no perfect amount of miles that's going to get you to the goal. It's the whole process. It's yeah you're doing is going to get you to this this stage it's not just you know but still there are workouts that i know is going to give them confidence that they can handle that right um, you know some examples like the the girls team this last year really liked um, and the guys did as well like we did it was like 16 by 400 meters um with like a 60 second break okay you know short rest yep where they're running it around 5k pace or maybe a little bit faster than that yeah um and one of the days that we did that it was actually pretty hot we did it in like september and it was still kind of humid and hot and um, yeah not like florida hot but <laughs> uh but yeah so like it they battled through it you know kind of we were talking about that third quarter when they're hitting like number 12 and 13 they're trying to push through yeah um, and they had a, they had a really good workout, I think as a whole, and it, that gives them a little bit of mental confidence that like, Hey, now I can handle this 6k that I've got coming up. Like, yeah. I, I can do this. I can handle this. And sometimes you throw, as a coach, you throw some things at them to just give them either some confidence or to 
kind of see where their breaking point is just a little bit to yeah. what they need. You can't right. do it all the time. But, right. but yeah, so like um, a lot of it comes around the mental headspace and where they're at too. I mean, I yeah. think physiologically, there are things you have to get done. Right. To race effectively and to, to meet your goals. But you've also got to be okay with some of those things and being able to do some of those things. And, and sometimes being okay with it is, is sometimes it's being okay with this really challenging workout. Sometimes it's being okay with taking a day off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that can be hard for a lot of college distance runners. It's like, right, I, was say. I don't want to take a day off. I want to miss something. I'm going to get any better. And you're like, it's okay. It's one day. Yep. Take a little break, allow your body to recover. Yep. Um, and so trying to get them to, to understand some of those concepts and, and where it all works. And so, um, I try to explain that as much as I can and try not to get too worked up that they're, that they're being defiant. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. It's more like they just need to know, they need to understand kind of the different processes and, and how we can get them. there. Yep. Yep. What are your, and I mean, I know it's pretty much similar for a lot of people, but what are your, you know, must of a training program, you know, like what do your athletes, you know, how, is there a certain amount of days you're like, they have to be running this or they gotta be doing two, you know, to get to the top level, they gotta be doing two days or, you know, anything like that. I mean, obviously there's the basics of you need your interval, your threshold, your long run, all that stuff too. But what are, what does that look like for you and your coaching? Yeah. So my philosophy around training, um, looks kind of like this. So I do, um, it's called a kind of a multi-tier or multi-paced program. So I do, um, it's kind of based off of the, kind of the core values of it are based off of what Peter Coe did with Sebastian Coe. And um, Sebastian Coe is now the president of the International Athletics Association for Track and Field. Okay. But back in the, in the, back in the day in the eighties and late seventies and eighties, he was um, an Olympic champion and world record holder and in the middle distances and stuff. And his dad coached him. But anyway, the concept is that within a 21-day cycle, um, when we're in season, we want to hit every energy system. Mm-hmm. And then we'll recycle back to that after 21 days. So we, um, that's kind of the main component. But so a weekly setup is we usually take Mondays off um, unless there's somebody, again, that, that needs that mileage. They've been healthy. and they, they yeah. We usually say, like, okay, 45 minutes or you can cross train or something. Yeah. The reason we take Mondays off is because we put a, also a good emphasis on our long run on Sundays. Yeah. We want to make sure it's quality and then we can get recovered the next day. Yep. And then Tuesdays are usually longer intervals or tempos, like a tempo Tuesday, kind of what we call it. Yep. Um, and then, like, if we have a meet that coming upcoming Saturday, then Wednesday will be recovery. Thursday will be something shorter and faster or hill repeats or something that's a race modeling. Yep. Uh, Friday, we'll, we'll pre-meet really light, only do strides if they feel they need it the day before. Yeah. And then on Saturday, we'll compete and kind of roll back through the cycle. The only thing that would change that is if we don't have a meet in a week, then we'll just move that second workout to Friday. Okay. Yeah. Give them a little more rest time. and. <laughs> yeah. And we, so we double twice a week in the system. Um, I've had some people go up to three times a week. Um, I don't like to double just to double, just to do the you know, quote unquote jump miles. Yeah. We do it more as like a shakeout, like a morning, wake your body up for an important intense workout that's going to come in the afternoon. Right. Um, when we also shake out in the mornings prior to races, usually like, you know, like a mile, just enough to kind of wake up get yeah. for the day. Um, but then we focus on, we do a lot of a little stuff. Like we do core, some variation of core pretty much every day. Yep. 
and it's not just abs, it's, it's back work, it's hip work, um, hurdle mobility. Um, we do strength training twice a week. Um, and it's, it's a lot of this, it's a lot of the kind of standard lifts that distance runners will do, you know, higher volume, lower reps. Um, there are some, depending on the individual, some of them will do some of the Olympic lifts. Yeah. Um, if they can, we feel they can manage it and they've been trained well and, and our strength staff has worked, been working with them. Yeah. Um, but we also do, you know, some explosive stuff with medicine balls and box jumps and things so we can kind of hit that system yep. periodically. Uh, and one of the new things that I implemented this year that I hadn't really done too much of in the past is actual sprinting mechanics. Okay. Um, where I, and that comes from my kind of my sprint coaching background is okay. have them be more efficient as runners. Um, and so we'll film them. Um, I'll give them a lot of different cues. We'll go through some drills and we'll do those fresh. So we won't, we'll do that before a, a run. Um, yeah. It's a week so that they're completely fresh and they know what that feels like to be snappy and, and aggressive off the ground and you know, yep. put them in the right positions and that kind of stuff. So not a lot of distance coaches will do that. Right. I just found like it was a piece that we needed to work on. Um, yeah. You feel so, like it's helped. Do you feel like there's any, yeah. A ton, a ton. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed it with, with a lot of them. Um, whether it was getting being able to get out more aggressively because they they've got those mechanical concepts now um, helps with injury prevention so they're actually more they're running the way they should be running yeah um, and then the kick at the end we we really actually towards the end of the season our kicks were towards the end of the indoor season were really coming around like, we were That's seeing awesome. <laughs> from from everybody not just from like the top athletes but you know from the top all the way down to to you know our bottom runner they they were all kind of showing some Pun, pun intended strides they were making good strides <laughs> so like i i think all of those things play a part but that's just sort of my system and how i kind of map it out and then i have mileage groups too and so depending on their background and their history you know, they, they'll fit into one of four mileage groups okay and, from, and we've we've got kids i've had kids be successful at 30 miles a week in cross country and i've had them be successful in 100 miles a week yeah and so i have people everywhere based off of what they've done in the past yeah appropriate yeah one of the, you know, one of the things I learned too is, and this is probably the last five years or so, is is keeping an athlete healthy and doing things that they can handle at the time and slowly progressing them is going to make them better in the long run. Yeah. Um, you know, we had one of our tap athletes this year. Um, you know, we had had some starting to really show some success. Um, he didn't run a lot of miles. He was, you know, forty. 50 miles a week and was, was running the, the 5k and, and successful in the mile and stuff during indoor season. But yeah. then he was cross training two days a week. Okay. Uh, like on Wednesdays, he was in the pool. Every he Wednesday. wasn't even running. No, just because we knew that his body, he had in the past tried some of that stuff and he got hurt a lot. And I think yeah. kind of found a formula that works for him. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's some people on the team that, you know, even though we do those doubles two days a week that we know that it's better for them to cross train those doubles yeah yeah they'll get in some of the work but it works best for them yeah um, so I communicate that to the team a lot it's like we need to talk so that I know how to make you better um, I don't want to get you hurt because if you get hurt you're no good to anybody you're not good to yourself yep. your team we want to do it the right way and take it slow and sometimes that's hard for them because you might have kids come in and be like well, I've done all these ex you know I've done all these things why can't I be at this level and I was like well let's I would rather take a back seat. Let's start 
under control. And then as we see you progress throughout college, we do the right way and stay healthy. And yeah. Be at your best when you're a senior. Like right, right. To be a senior and hit their best marks. Right, right. No, that's really, I feel like that's encouraging to hear. And like, especially, I mean, you have a college guy running 40 to 50 miles. Like that's low, right? I mean, really, that yeah. really is low, pretty All things low. considered, it's pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. He can now do a lot more and, 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 you know, we're, we're able to kind of do more with him, but I think we're yeah. still going to keep hold on to the, a little bit of that pattern with some cross training, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's the heart. Like, again, that's that thing that a lot of distance people or, or you know, I wouldn't just say kids, but people in general or coaches, they just think that, you know, hundred miles is this magical number right? to be successful. That's just not true. Yeah. Um, I, I don't run a hundred miles a week. Yeah. And I'm I'm training for a 62 mile race. So <laughs> yeah, if that's I, I, not the case. If that's the, yeah, if that doesn't tell you like, um, you know, the longest that I'll go is I'll go like, I'll probably get like 40 miles in my longest run towards the beginning of September. But then in the rest of the week, I need to make sure I'm recovered and ready for that. So I might only run like 10 to 15 miles the rest of the week. And so I'm running 55 miles that week, but right. I get three mile long run. So that kind of, helps with with some of that but i think that's it's doing it the right way getting recovered um you know bill bowerman would always talk about you've got to stress and then you got to recover those are the that's yeah. how you stress yourself and then recover the appropriate amount based on that stress yeah um, so. i feel like so many people don't like it's just like a distance runners in general like they don't, i don't think it takes a lot for them to believe that that recovery is actually like literally half of the puzzle like it really is like oh it is you don't recover Absolutely. for all the work you put in like you're just putting this work for no reason like just yep. you know. <laughs> yep. um, but it's really encouraging i mean from a personal standpoint to hear me say that and like just whenever i hear coaches i do believe like it's but there are coaches out there that literally it's like if you're not at this many miles like you won't be successful or we just gotta get your mileage up like that's all we gotta do like that's all you know and, and to a degree I mean sometimes that works but like for me personally I know I don't handle a lot of mileage I'm one of these people I have a pretty deep injury background after college I just like kept getting injured and injured and injured and like finally I just had to find what worked for me and what worked for me was less days of running same thing like my body does well at about you know honestly four to five I've just recently I'm at like five days and I think I'm handling it fine um and in strength training and doing all those little things more right and I do better with more, like if I do more, more speed training versus mileage, like, you know, um, yeah. it just works better for me. And maybe that is because my body's naturally more of a middle distance runner. I don't know. Like it just doesn't naturally, it, it hasn't, I, I would love to, I'm still like, you know, like to test where I can get to and see if I can, you know, handle more mileage for sure. But, um, yeah, it's just, oh, it's to hear. I was the same way, you know, like, again, I was a middle distance runner and I think my body was just built for that. And I, so in college, one year, between my junior and senior year, I tried to do the 100-mile-a-week thing just because it was a <laughs> mythical thing to do. Right, right. In the summer prior to my senior year is when it happened. I got through two weeks of, of 100 miles or a little bit above. A, you're just running all the time. 100 miles a week is a lot. you got to eat a lot of food. <laughs> you feel like you're, A, you're eating a lot of food, and B, like, you just feel like you're always running. And so I think... For me, it just didn't work. Like my body was just shutting down. I just, I didn't feel good. And so I found kind of a, a sweet spot at about 60 to 70 for the majority of, of my college career when it, during cross country season, obviously a little less during track season, but um, yeah, 
yeah, like I think you have to find the right fit for you and what what works best, um, and and do it the right way. This, and you know, part of that, like, what's the point in going out and slogging every single day for ten miles? Like, yeah. I think sometimes it's important to do the speed work and to do all the other things that are going to help make a big difference too. Right. And so I, I think there's there's positives and minuses to doing that, and I think, in my opinion, you know, it's 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 more of a positive to do some other things right mileage and, and to sort of balance that out a little bit more right. and I, I'm a huge huge believer in the full athlete as a distance runner like you're right. not just a you know long distance go out and run a bunch of miles kind of person you should be a full athlete yes yes right? have speed work all these things to, to be where you need to be so. yeah yeah no I like it I like it <laughs> um well, do you need to get going? I I just want to make sure. I mean, if you're no, 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 she's good. She's my my daughter's pretty awesome. She she's pretty self sufficient as a five year old. Job, she knows how to pretty much do everything. That's um, awesome. Pops in to say say hi sometimes. And say, <laughs> is it just you and her here? Your your wife's yeah. not even there. She's taking care no, of herself. No. Thing. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. My my wife works at a bank, and um, and so she's she's been gone. But it's just been my my daughter Caitlin and I. <laughs> Yeah, since quarantine started, basically. That's awesome. Oh, you get to spend yeah. some time together then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, at first when, when school was in session, I was, um, so I used my a little bit of my elementary education background, and I was, like, teaching her things, like, <laughs> and counting and math and that kind of stuff. And then yep. now that we've gone into the summer, it's a little bit more of she's self-reliant. She does a lot of coloring and playing on her own. And then yeah. I try to take a little time and, like, take her to the beach or, you know, do some of the other going on a hike with her yeah she yeah. also and the girls on the team like call her the assistant coach because she comes <laughs> times um during the year and she holds a stopwatch and you know kind of plays with it and stuff like that and yells encouraging things to the team and yep. she'll sit in on team meetings and actually sometimes she'll give advice like <laughs> it's just cute that's awesome and they probably love it <laughs> she, oh, she probably loves it she's like oh yeah i get all my friends <laughs> They eat it up. They eat it up. So, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your current training, but I just wanted to make sure I wasn't like holding you too, because I know we've gone a no, little no, over. No. I'm fine, no. but just wanted to make sure. Oh, um, good. But so you're training for a hundred k race, you said, right? Hundred k, yeah. Which one? What one is that? Uh, so it's uh, it's called the Berkey Ultra. So it's on the Berkey Trail. Okay. Yep. I've been just, up there. You know, north Northwest Wisconsin, up in uh, Hayward. Yep. And actually, the race starts in Cable, which is a little bit north of Hayward. Yep. Um, and I I get these crazy wild hairs sometimes when I, when I want to test my limits. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> I want to see what I can do, and so I decided to sign up. And part of it was like, okay, I gotta get, I gotta like motivate myself even more to get out the door and run. And, right really really like train and, and do all these things and so every couple of years i'll just get like oh i should do this and i've been doing 50 mile races recently i tried <laughs> one two years two years ago this will be my fourth ultra coming up um but i ran one two years ago i had some success with it and um i'm just excited to kind of push my limits and go to 100k and see what that feels like and um it's going to be hard. I know it's going to, it's going to be really hard. It's going to, it's, it's a challenge, but I'm excited for it. It'll be fun. The Berkey's, you know, it's pretty well-known ski trail. Yeah. And the way that they do things up. It's really well organized and, and it should yeah. be a good thing. 
nice trails to be on. I, um, we, I've gone up there a bit in the past. Um, and I did the Cordelope it to like half of the Berkey skiing. Oh, yeah. Wise. So I have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have gone up there for that. And I've ran on those trails up there and, and whatnot. So that'll be a good place yeah. to do it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It'll be hilly. <laughs> It'll be a lot of up I, and down. I'm, I'm well aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I figured, so I did my first two ultras that I did and actually one of my marathons I did was in the mountains in Colorado. So I figured I can kind of handle some hills. And yeah. You've been in Colorado. So, um, got so <laughs> but it'll, it'll be, it'll still be a nice challenge. And you know, that the, with my training for that, um, I try to try to like, again, get up every morning and run. And I try to do a certain amount. I go on time. So okay. like right now I'm with 45 minutes a day and then I'll do a two hour long run this weekend. And then that'll just escalate as the weeks go on and get more and more and more. Um, the long run especially is probably the most important. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, so what is like, yeah, what's the big thing you got to focus on with training for this? How does your training look different? I guess. Well, like for, Oh gosh. So the long run is, is what I just invest everything in. I try to make sure I'm daily running, Yep. but then the long run, cause it's, again, it's a 62 mile race. And so it's, um, in order to, to make that, happen the right way every every Saturday or Sunday ends up being my long run and I I block off you know a, a whole bunch of time to be able to yeah. get out there and, and a lot of times it's just time on my feet and so the way that I do it is I try to also focus on some of the things that I'll focus on in the race so like nutrition make sure that I'm eating while I'm running and then I have my hydration pack and I'm and I try to get my timing down on some of those things because Ultimately, the nutritional piece and the hydration piece become the biggest factors in ultra races. Yeah, when it comes to ultra, <laughs> absolutely the biggest factor because you're going to break down, and you just got the you have to know how your body works because everybody handles different foods differently and, and eating habits. And so I found mine, and the certain nutritional products that I use work really well with my stomach. And um, I take a, a potassium and sodium pill every hour during the race because I sweat a lot, and so trying to replace those nutrients yeah um, so i don't cramp and i made the mistake in, in along the ultra race in the past where i cramped severely because i wasn't taking in enough salt and so um yeah that stuff's hard that's that's the hardest part about it. like figuring, figuring all that out is yeah hard yeah i wouldn't know what to do and i i mean at this point in life i have no aspirations of doing that maybe <laughs> when i get older but like yeah like that would be the yeah. biggest thing to figure out <laughs> I talk to my college buddies about it and they'll be like, okay, you ran the 800 in college and now you're running <laughs> right. plus mile races. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think it's, for me, it was just this, like, I'm always looking for that next challenge. Like, okay, right. I ran some halves and I ran some marathons and that's great. And you know, yeah. I was like, what's the next thing I can do that's challenging? Well, let's bump up to a 50 mile race. And so like, I just kept escalating. I don't know that in my head that I can still wrap my brain around like a hundred K is still pretty ridiculously far, but to go a hundred miles, just, I can't, I don't know that that'll ever happen for me. Yeah. It's, like, it's just like, what? Like you can't even another, wrap your mind. <laughs> I'm doing 62 and to imagine to try to do 40 more than that. Just, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. Right. Right. <laughs> I saw the end of the Leadville 100 once I was out in, I, yeah. I went to school out in Utah and I was visiting in Colorado and went up to the finish at like past midnight or whatever. That was, yeah, pretty crazy to see. <laughs> well, and you see, I, th I think everybody should experience that to some, ex 
to some extent, like experience, like watch some of those videos that are out there on ultra races and yeah. see what people have to go through, like their minds, their bodies, how yeah. they from it or how they drop. You really see sort of the spirit of a person in those right. You right. are taking, in those 100 mile races, you're taking your body to a whole nother, like, your mind and your body is just going to, you, you, I guess you just see like how people respond. It's just, and it's, yeah. it's and the culture around ultra running is so supportive. Like, everybody from the, the slowest runner to the fastest runner everybody's like hey great job you know i think it's just yep. you, you and runners are usually that way anyway but i think when you get right. to that, everybody's like i know it hurts i'm in it too i get it i need to give you encouragement too just like you're gonna give it to me so like yeah no for sure <laughs> you have to but I've, you're out there i've gone to some places like just mentally in those races like, like i have to dig myself out of it and i think it allows you to reflect on life and um, a little bit and try to dig up, well up some things that'll encourage you to keep going. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I think it's, you also try to tell yourself, okay, it's just a silly race. I can complete the silly race. Life is right. a lot than this. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so no, I, I, <laughs> I love running for that reason. It helps in life so much. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I did like, um, this past fall, I did a race that was a relay race and ended up like ran a total of, I think, 26 miles about, like I've done one marathon in my life, but you know, 26, I mean, I wasn't training for anything long at all. So it was a lot, but even that I was like at the end, my last laps, I was just like mentally going to a whole new place to finish just because I wasn't training. So I can't, I can't imagine anything longer. Like I've done yeah. one marathon on train for a marathon and I, yeah, I can't even but I'm sure I'll get there. Same reason you're saying you just got to test your limits in a new way. And I'm sure there'll be a day I decide, Oh, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Let's just and then, you'll, and then you'll pay for it and be like, Oh, I guess I'm stuck in this now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. That will be exciting yeah, well, thank to you. watch. Thank you. You'll, thank uh, you. Maybe. Oh, I'll bring you back on here for that. <laughs> Oh, sure sure yeah yeah let, let, yeah interview me and see how i felt after <laughs> to get the story on it <laughs> oh it's it's brute oh, after every single one it the, the next like the next week is just tough to get around like oh. to there's <laughs> like it's and then you and then you're like oh why did i do this and then a week or two later they're like oh, i could do that again i think you, yeah. your your memory for what the pain actually was kind of dissipates quickly but yep Yep. And then you're like, I, I need that. I need that challenge again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I know what, what question I have before we get to our last question. When you, I've seen, cause you posted it on like social media and stuff. You do like wickets with your kids, right? Is that, yeah. is that the sprint training or? <laughs> yeah. That's part of the sprint mechanic work that we do. So um, wickets is a, is, um, is utilized a lot by um, sprinters and, and jumpers pretty often. Um, and if people don't know, wickets are basically two concepts behind it. One is the little mini hurdles. Okay. That only that only get about you know six to twelve inches off the ground, and then or you could use little sticks or marks on the ground or whatever. But it allows you, it kind of forces your body into a certain position. Um, okay. The top of those, um, and it, it kind of tricks your body into getting in, in the correct running or sprinting mechanical position. Okay. Um, sometimes people you can explain it and explain it and explain it all day and they can't quite grasp it and so yeah their body and force their body into a certain position it can help with just sort of the mechanics and doing so a lot of times what we'll do is we'll do we'll do our sprint drills and we'll do our, our our wickets and then after wickets after we do a few rounds of that then we'll go to flat ground okay okay 
and a lot of times they'll be better because they've already their body's already been put in that position and sort of used to that and then they'll so it, it we we do it once or twice a week um, and we re, we try to record it so we can give them different cues on how to continue to work on their positioning their their feet and their knees and, and posture posture is probably one of the biggest things yeah about um but yeah that's you don't see a lot of distance runners doing wickets. Um, yeah. And so, again, I think that's part part of that was from, again, my background with working with sprints and jumps in the past and trying to right. sneak in some of those things um, that I think can be effective for distance runners too. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Do you have any, and I think this probably you just picked up, but do you have any references for people like that were like, oh, yeah, I want to add in some sprint training, like anywhere that would be good to learn yeah. this stuff or is it just stuff you've kind of picked up and learned I, yeah i mean i picked up and learned it from from a lot of different coaches um over the years um uh i'm trying to think of the the names of coaches that actually have kind of implemented this in the past um oh gosh so um so of course some of my mentors when i was working um as a graduate assistant doug case was the sprints and hurdles coach um, he's currently the sprints and hurdles coach at arkansas okay um, now and so it kind of got some of the concepts from him as well and then just a lot of videos and reading too um, okay you know i think there's vince anderson is probably the not probably he's one of the guys that kind of created the whole concept of wickets okay um so he's i think he's now he's kind of a um, professional coach and, and does a lot of instructional and stuff but he, he coached at texas a&m for a long time and um, so yeah, Vince Anderson is like the, if you ever kind of want the full picture of what wickets are and why they're developed and all that, he's the kind of the best guy to, to look at for them. Okay. Oh, that's helpful. Cool. But, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. He's, he's got a lot of great videos out there that too, like how to do it and how to explain it. Yep. Yep. No, I like it. Awesome. Cool. Well, we'll move on to our last question, which if you've listened to the podcast, you might've heard, but um, just would love to know it, you know, what either a breaking five moment of your your own like what was you know the biggest achievement really that you've had in your own running career or of an athlete that was just like you know just a really you know like a maybe a goal you didn't you both weren't sure they could meet and they did um or a goal you didn't think you could meet in your running career and you did um what would that be for you i you know i listen to the podcast a couple of times and i'm like i keep digging out different ideas and kind of like okay what's the best way that i can answer um, <laughs> So I'll do both. So for, yeah. for me, um, you know, and I've had several moments as an athlete. Um, for me, um, as a collegiate athlete, um, I remember that breakthrough happening. Um, I think it was during the indoor season in my graduate school year. It was the first race of the indoor season, and we were at the University of Nebraska on their indoor track. And for whatever reason, everything was clicking at the right time. Like, and I was putting everything together. I was really confident going into the race. It's my first division one race, but I was still just like, okay, I'm ready for this. I'm training great. Like I know I can handle it. Yep. And I ended up winning my heat and had a great race and um, was on the award stand and all that kind of stuff. And it was a lot of fun. And I think that that was a really great moment as a, as a collegiate athlete. And then as a, you know, post collegiate and some of the things that I was doing, um, is the Denver Rock and Roll Marathon. Um, I placed seventh in um, okay. 10, which uh, also, uh, so in 2000, that was the last time that I fully shaved and had short hair. 
<laughs> so as a side note, he right there now is, is growing out his beard yeah. in quarantine season. It's at its max because yeah. he's about to shave it this weekend, probably. So. Yeah, yeah. So like that, that, like that rock and like I had done everything. I feel like right. I ate right. I, I, I asked for advice from other friends. I did specific training I needed to do. Race went really, really well. And yeah. Um, just everything kind of fell together and I had that kind of moment that I had been looking for, um, with my marathon training. Yeah. That's um, awesome. I'm going to place that high up at a big, you know, marathon. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty awesome. It was fun. And then I, you know, I went to Salt Lake, um, later that spring and, and ended up, I was in the top 10 at the Salt Lake city marathon too. So like, I think it, it told me that it wasn't a fluke that I was training well and yeah. kind of went together and, and all that. So those, you know, those are some of the moments as an, as an athlete, as a coach, there's so many. Like I, I, <laughs> it's hard to pick. Yeah. And I, I kind of come back to like the kids that were just sort of clicked for them where, you know, maybe their first year or their second year, they never quite were fully in, invested in what they were doing and, and reaching their goals. And then, then for whatever reason, something just changed and they decided, okay, I really want this. I want to go for this. And they, they broke through that, that barrier a little bit because they fully invested themselves in it. You know, I had a, I had a long jump guy, long jump sprint guy, um, when I was coaching in Division Three. He ended up winning the national championship twice in the long jump. Okay. Um, and was an All-American in the sprints um, as well. But his first couple of years, he was he was average. He was a decent jumper and a decent sprinter. But I think for whatever reason, he just he decided that okay, I'm done being average and I want to be great. And so That's I got to awesome. fully like, be into it. And that was that was fun too. And you know, then the other ones are just other ones that kind of come to mind. And I think it's great that you call it breaking five because having coached, you know, several women that have break, broken five in the mile. Right. A big barrier for, for, for women, I think specifically in division two, like that five yep. minute barrier is like this number that's, <laughs> it's, it's comparable just in terms of general conversation to like the men's four minute mile. It's yep. like the number, right? And so like, it was last year with, with Amanda being able to break it because that was her big goal and, and yep. she was so driven to break that goal and I think it was just yep. exciting that she had thrown everything out there and I think she just needed to be in the right race to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and I had another girl when I was coaching out in Colorado that it was kind of the same concept where um, you know she wanted to break five as well and she ended up being a, a multiple time All-American in the, in the mile and, and, and all that and I think Sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you're beating your head against the wall. You're, you feel like you're doing everything right. And yeah. It's not happening. And I think sometimes just like a lot of things in life, sometimes you just, the stars align and, and you get in the right race on the right day and the weather's right. feel awesome and got good sleep. And, and sometimes that just happens where you just, yep. you're, I, I think you, you always, and that's the perspective I try to give my student athletes is keep grinding, you know, keep doing all those things you need to do and your day will come. You know, yeah. but you can't get discouraged that it's not going to come. It might happen in a year. It might happen in four years. But right. Happen, but yeah. you got to kind of stay the course a little bit and, and um, wait for that moment to hit you. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and I think does, one of my favorite moments as a coach is when that happens, regardless if they're, <laughs> I'll be honest, some of the moments as a coach, I have kids that maybe weren't very good athletes that I've had on the team. Yeah. They're there. They're great kids. They work really, really hard. And to see those people break through and that whatever their barrier happens to be. And yeah. Like to see the elation on their face and the tears come down their face. 
that moment is just like, and I'm getting goosebumps right now. Like, <laughs> that's the so that's so much fun with coaching when you see the joy because they broke through that barrier. Like, yeah, it's so exciting. I want I want everybody to be able to have that. Like, have that goal in mind. That's your reach goal. Yeah, hit it. Like, just it's just it's 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 so exciting. It's it's fun to be a part of. Yeah, it's got to be even more fun to watch than do. I don't know either end of the spectrum, but yeah. <laughs> well, and and I don't want to like drag that out too much but like yeah um, as a coach it's funny because you know our student athletes and i've had kids ask before um you know do you get nervous for us coach i was like yeah absolutely There's time yeah. for you because i know how hard you've worked i know all the time that you put in i know the time that i put in to help you and you know like i want you so badly to hit this mark and yeah um, i get i get butterflies and and my mentor used to because i asked him that question when i was in grad school it's like do you ever stop getting nervous and, he said, nope, if you do, stop coaching. Yep. If you butterflies and stop getting, you know, excited about what's going to happen, then you need to stop coaching because that's, that should be the passion and the driving force that, that motivates you. Yep. Yep. No, I like that. That's good. That's, that's a, that's a good ending, I think for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I like what you said about, um, what was the thing like sometimes it just everything has to line up like it's not especially in a mile race it's not I mean it is controllable but sometimes it is just the race you're in the weather the you yeah. know how the race is going to go out you just can't control it <laughs> just really can't oh yeah yeah sometimes it's just things just kind of happen the right way and it, it falls into place yeah no oh, awesome well anything else you wanted to share that I didn't ask you didn't hit on anything like that that you can think of that came come, came to mind no, I don't think so. Like, I really appreciate you like taking time to you know invite me to do this. Like, uh, yeah, I'm excited to kind of be a, a part of it and hopefully um, you know share some of my life story and some of the ways that I coach and do things. And um, yep, in the past I'm an open book, so I'm always happy to do it. So thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, thank you for being on. I'm excited um, to have you on. And um, so, and I didn't say this earlier, but you know, with my recent, you know, training for track and everything, Nick was in the area. So he was someone that I could go to with my training. And then even in my, my races, I raced a lot back in Kenosha. So he was really supportive of my, of my training, <laughs> my track season this, this past um, winter. So I really wanted to bring him on and um, I didn't share that at the beginning, but I didn't mean to. So thank you very much. It meant oh, a yeah. lot to me. No problem. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No problem. I'm always going to help. So <laughs> Um, anywhere, um, that if anyone wants to get in touch with you, um, you know, they listen to this podcast and whatever part of it, is there a place, and I know, you know, your college coach and whatnot, but place that they can get in contact with you, is it your college, you know, your email at Parkside or what would be the best place for them to, to find you at? Yeah, that, that would be the easiest thing I think is my email. So it's just my last name, M-A-A-S at U-W-P.edu. Um, that's easy to find. I'm again, I'm a college coach, so you can just Google my name and you'll be able to right. find it. You'll find it. <laughs> Um, and so it's, yeah, I, I'm pretty good. I have my email and my phone and I'm pretty good about checking it on a regular basis. So if people have questions or anything, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to offer to answer anything. people might have. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on. And, um, I'm excited to get this one out. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, 
that doesn't have to actually mean literally breaking five, just a breaking five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their breaking five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram, and that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.